0: We are in the beginning, the second Sunday of five Sundays, on a series that we're going to be talking about, you know, these, these ways in which these behaviors, these practices that we can take on to claim the power of Easter in our daily living. We all remember how Easter was such a celebration and high energy. We're excited about Easter. And then we wonder, how do we maintain that? How do we stay focused with that? And we discover in the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to the disciples there were specific behaviors, practices that he taught those disciples to live out that allowed them to have a vibrant, dynamic faith, both in their own life and to offer to the world. Today we're taking a look at the second, and these are not in some hierarchy order, but rather just the number, second, number two of five we're talking about, where he, Jesus goes right before he heads up back up to heaven, that is to say in his final moments of appearance on earth, when he gathers the disciples together and tells them to do this.
1: Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. To the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Donna. Join with me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we ask your spirit to intercede now because we know that my words are just that, my words. And we know that our all minds and thoughts could be so easily distracted to other things. But rather, We ask now that your spirit would come and make of my words far more than what I can put in them, and that you would take our minds and our hearts and allow them to not be distracted away from your presence, allow the opening of our minds and our hearts to be turned towards you that we might be filled by the message, by the hope, by the power, and by the love you alone provide. Make this a holy time, a meaningful time, all to your glory, and for the sake of building up your people. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. I love watching how things get made. Uh, watching shows that show me how things come together. I'm just sometimes am amazed by how, how people can create various ways of putting things together. I think it maybe began for me, I remember taking a school trip to the Ford River, River Rouge plant to watch how they made automobiles. Anybody else ever take the River Rouge tour once in your life? I was fascinated to watch how A car was put together in such a short period of time and thinking about the intricacies and who's so smart to figure out how you put it together. I just fascinated. Probably the same reason why I still watch cooking shows today. I love watching recipes to see how things are made. I love sitting for hours watching recipes for meals that you can make that I will never take the time to make. (laughs) Any of you ever watch a bunch of recipes you know you're never going to make, but we sit there and watch them anyway. Because we're fascinated to know how they put those things together. Maybe that's one of the reasons I loved worship last Sunday so much. At the 11 o'clock service, we watched disciples being made. At least we watched a major milestone in the process of the confirmation of our 2019 confirmation class. That process began long before they started classes last fall. It started in the moments when families first brought those children to Sunday school, to the events in the church. It started when those families, those parents, came to church, maybe as children or youth or later. But the truth is, the process of making a disciple began long before all that. It began 2,000 years ago. It started when Jesus told his original disciples that there was one thing they could do, they had to do, that would allow them to maintain a vital faith, both for themselves and in the world. He said, you have to make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, before I go any further, I want to stop and tell you that this passage that I just read to you, that Donna read to you, is the most abused, twisted, and distorted use of scripture that we have done in the history of the church. When you hear this passage, that you're called to be people who make disciples of all nations, what comes to your mind? And this is not the rhetorical question moment. This is answer with the question. Somebody raise your hand and tell me. What's, Christy? Missionaries. What else? Pastors. Pastors. Evangelists. Evangelists. Reaching out to those in need. need. (laughs) Different cultures. cultures. Now I want to tell you that your answers do not surprise me, but I want to suggest what what those answers reflect. Professionals were the ones you listed most. As far as reaching out to other cultures, the truth is, if we look at church history, we have not reached out to other cultures. We have decimated them. We have abused them. We have disrespected them. And in some cases, we have destroyed them. In the history of the church, when I think about what has happened, now there are great moments where folks' lives have been changed, and I remember the Wesleyan movement when it began in 1700s helped the entire British Kingdom at that time abolish slavery. It's not like they haven't done amazing, wonderful things in the name of Christ, but at the same time, we also went in and colonized people and told them how to eat their food differently, how to use cutlery, how to dress like the missionaries, how to change the language, and do away with their cultural heritage that had sustained them for generations. I often of this passage as manipulation. I have seen too many times when people are at their most vulnerable is when someone swoops in and tries to manipulate that moment so they can accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I have seen people live with massive insecurity in the church because there's something intuitive in our gut that says, I don't want to do that. I think one of the reasons... We say the professionals ought to be the ones doing that. It's quite frankly, we want them to get their hands dirty. I don't want to be involved in that. It's also a belief that somehow we have some magical potion that I can just sprinkle some kind of wisdom on somebody and make them change and become a disciple. And I've already said it, but I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. Our insensitivity up to and including bigotry and atrocities in the name of Jesus, have been justified from this passage. The way we treated the Native Americans, the way we have treated all kinds of cultures around the world, the way we have in our church history even said it would be better if the Muslims were dead rather than live, not according to Jesus, and you can replace Muslims with so many others, has often made me sick and embarrassed. We took go out into all the world as if somehow we were supposed to go out into all the world and make the world like us. That is not what Jesus said. We are called not to colonize people but rather to go out into the world making disciples means being with people and discovering where Jesus is already with them perhaps manifested differently and spoken about differently but let's talk together about who Jesus is and what he means to us. And making disciples in the life of the church has often been more about power and fear than anything else. I remember, I've told this story before, um, when I was in high school, uh, Bill and I were going into Flint to do the kinds of things in Flint that we did. We won't go further there. But, but uh, before we went drag racing, uh, we went, uh, I, st- we, I said, listen, there's a, there's a we, we literally stopped at a Baptist church, I know, and... Um, uh, but I was told there was a preacher there who was really funny, and so we went, because, you know, it was early, and why not? And so we went, and, and I forgot that Baptist preachers are funny on Monday. We get to Friday, and it's time for conversion night. They aren't funny anymore. And, uh, and I remember before the night was over, Bill and I were separated from each other, placed in rooms by ourselves. Each of us had two men, evangelists, standing over us, telling us, night, that was the night we needed to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, or we we're going to hell sort of killed the mood. (laughs) Also allowed Bill to kick my dodge dart because he was so mad at me. We've twisted making disciples into making people follow rules and demanding that others live lives as we live as if somehow our lives were perfect. So I'm not really surprised When we refrain from doing it, being comfortable with it, and quite frankly, I'm not at all shocked why the world resists the attempts of the church historically to think about doing what we used to use in the church, the word evangelism. Quite frankly, it makes me uncomfortable and nauseous to think about treating people that way in the name of Jesus. Of course, the truth is, Jesus never treated people that way. Jesus never brought people along by manipulating them or making them scared. Jesus, in the scriptures are very clear, was so radical in the way in which he simply unconditionally loved people. He invited people to come hang out with him. Come on over, let's go to the party. We're going over to Joe's house. let's all get together for a party. Hey, let's go down to the beach and have a fish fry. You just need two, I'll take care of the rest. He just hung out with people and spent time with them. And you know what mostly he did was listen to them and then share what his truth was. He taught others to love unconditionally. And when it says, Go out into all the world, teaching them what I commanded you, he is not talking about how to use forks and knives. He was talking about the commandment that Jesus made. Thou shalt love the, God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Done. Now let's figure out how to live that out. Let's live in that wonderful mystery of learning how to love in that way. Jesus always intended making disciples to be a walk of humility. Where the first skill one needs is the ability to listen. Over the years I've heard people say, I'm not comfortable witnessing my faith to others because I never know what to say. The truth is, people are not interested in hearing what you have to say. Until first you're willing to listen to their truth and to what they need. And then not respond with practice, speeches, but rather with intentional, loving, kind, help, assistance, compassion. Each and every person in this room is more than equipped to make disciples the way Jesus did. All you have to do is love Christ, love others, and listen and invite it's not about church growth, it's not about getting more people in to pay the bills of the church, and it's not about getting more people in the church so they can all practice their life exactly as we think they ought to. It is rather to invite others to simply come with us on a journey of faith. Whether they come into the church or not is a secondary issue. The invitation is not about getting you to sign up into the community and become a full fledged member. The invitation is about let's share about Jesus with each other and doing that means that I may get changed as much as those as I invite because we ultimately believe that my first belief of a person who's not like me is not you are a sinner but you are a child of God and you're struggling with stuff just like I am, I get that so let's talk about how Jesus can assist us in both of our journeys and you may teach me as much as I teach you We invite people to have the conversation with us and to walk with us in faith because we have found real joy in focusing on Jesus and living our lives around Jesus. And we do that, like most other invitations, not with a spirit of control. We do it joyfully. And that's the other thing the church has always messed up. Always being too, too strong a word, I know. We invite other people and they think they've got to come into the church and be like everybody else in the church. And then the church dies because eventually you run out of other people who are like us. Rather, we're to invite other people to come and walk with us in faith and when they come into the church, we change. We adapt. We grow. So they bring with us their traditions and their culture and their music and we don't say, well, that's not how we do it here. We say, can you teach us that? Can you help me learn that rhythm? Can you help me learn how to play that instrument? Can you help me learn how to walk and and live my life so that I can connect with those people that is genuinely, genuine and and caring? It's not a matter of we teach them, but rather together we learn and grow. That's why last Sunday was so much fun for me. It's not because the confirmations made it through the year. It's because they're just beginning. They have a chance now to do witness in the world and making disciples the way Jesus did. Make disciples. To do that first they will draw upon their own faith, they will grow in their understanding of Jesus but they do not have to wait. Everyone who has confirmed this past Sunday has the ability to reach out and invite a friend to come I don't know, to one of the church events. Or simply be with them in their life and listen and share And they have a chance to change the church. We asked our confirmands last week not to simply do it the way we do it. We've asked them to come and help us find a new way. And it's our chance too. Do you want a deeper faith? Do you want to experience Easter more often? Do you want to have a faith that you can legitimately offer to the world that the world might want to receive? Do you want to grow closer to Christ? Then begin to make disciples the way Jesus did. I've learned the fact: the best way I can learn something or I can master something is if I have to teach it. Teachers, you know that's right, right? Teachers, you you learn more than you ever teach. And for all of us, the same thing. If you want to grow in your faith, start figuring out what you have to share with others and share it. It doesn't have to be everything. It has to be whatever is genuine to you. It can be as simple as an invitation to come play pickleball. I know that's not recorded in the gospels, <laughs> except he invited others to come fishing with him, come to meal with him, go to a party with him, be in relationship with him, and that's where it starts. When we are willing to offer an invitation of love and caring and compassion because we listen to others, we hear their loneliness, we see their need for community and their need for hope, and we offer to help address that, we are making disciples. We have a chance. And I mean we. I don't mean, I'm not being rhetor- theoretical here. I'm telling you the honest truth. Clarkston United Methodist Church, each one of you in this pew right now, This is our chance to begin to make disciples the way Jesus always intended. Don't wait for me to give you a book on evangelism. Don't wait for me to teach you the fourfold prayer. Don't wait for me to give you the catch biblical phrases you need to convince someone else they have to memorize before they can get to heaven. Don't do that. Because Jesus never did that. He did not have a book of evangelism, He didn't even have the New Testament. What He had was love unconditional love. What he had was a witness of faith in God. What he had was compassion for others. What he had was a listening ear. And he invited people to come on the walk with him. And they did. And then the church had to change. They listened to him. They said, All right, we're gonna go make disciples. And they said, Well, how do we do that? Well, we're gonna do it like Jesus. So they went out and they stayed together because they needed support. They went out and they they talked about Jesus and, and they loved people and they healed people and they fed people. And then some other people came who were different than them and they said, Well, we don't want to do it the way you do it. I don't want to get circumcised at the age of thirty four. Well, okay. We won't do that anymore. And so they didn't. That's in the New Testament, in about that much of the Bible, boom, the the church changed radically. Because that's where the walk led them. And people came. And lives were changed. And Jesus was served and honored and his name proclaimed genuinely, honestly, and with ways that impacted people's lives. The old metrics of evangelism were how many butts can you get in a pew? How many dollars can you raise? The new metrics ought to be simply this. How many lives can we change for the sake of Jesus? And if they come to this church, that's fantastic, but that is not the point. If they never come into the church, is their life better? Do they know a little bit more about Jesus? And do I know more about Jesus because of my relationship with them? Jesus never taught evangelism classes. He taught people how to love in his name. And they believed it so much, they began to do it. And others outside of that community faith began to talk about them, not the way the world talks about the church today as being bigoted or being closed-minded or being irrelevant. No, they talked about the church this way. They said, that's the people of the way. That's what they called the early Christians. They're the people of the way. They live their life this way. And in a world where they needed hope, help, and compassion, and a community, they went, yeah, I'll go be part of that. And they changed the world. This is our chance to begin to live out that part of God's holy word, and to do it the way Jesus taught us. And if you want to have a vibrant Easter faith and you want to have something that the world actually needs and Jesus actually wants you to give, this is our chance right now to commit to doing it. Not us all together only, but each of you individually. How will you listen to others this week? How will you love them unconditionally? How will you witness Jesus whether or not you say his name? And when will you be willing to say his name? This is our chance. And we come now to a meal. Just like he always did. Hey, come have a meal together. Eat. Be in his presence. And oh, by the way, y'all are welcome. No dogma being checked. No membership card being lifted. Do you want to receive love and grace and mercy? Come eat. And then go make disciples.